What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by In We Go. It's Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can. Only costs $39 a month as well. No additional costs or fees either. So you can hit up events like Nuggets and Atlanta Hawks Friday at Pepsi Center, beer flights at Prost Brewing, comedy shows at Comedy Works. I'm just browsing through the In We Go app right now, actually. CU versus Omaha up in Boulder. It's a little college basketball this weekend. You could hit up DU versus Minnesota. High-level college hockey at Magnus Arena Friday night as well. So there's literally something for everyone on InWego. And right now, we've partnered with them to give BSN listeners an awesome deal. So if you go to InWego.com backslash BSN, or if you download their app for free, you're actually going to get 50% off your first month if you use promo code BSN50. So you get all those events I said, hundreds more for under 20 bucks in your first month. Try it and you're going to fall in love with it. So again, how you get that deal, inwego.com backslash BSN or you can download their app for free. Use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast, Thursday edition of the show. Harrison Wind here, solo show today, recording following Nuggets shoot-around Thursday morning. They're hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Thursday night at Pepsi Center, this Nuggets team desperate for a win right now. Losers of four in a row after that 9-1 start. I have a feeling, and Vegas thinks this way as well, Nuggets are 13-point favorites tonight as I'm recording this, that this might be the night where Denver finally gets back in the win column. The Hawks are on a tough road trip right now. They were in L.A. They played the Warriors the other night. They kept it close, but... And this is the Atlanta Hawks. This is a team the Nuggets should roll over and, hey, maybe start to rediscover a bit of that offensive rhythm that they really haven't had this season. That's what I wanted to talk about mostly on today's show. I want to play you guys Michael Malone's full press conference with the media following Wednesday's practice because, man, did he have some insightful things to say about this team how they're playing on defense, but more importantly, I felt how they're playing on offense. And it's a lot of the stuff that I've been saying on this show and that we've been writing and talking about over the first month of the season, how the Nuggets offense looks a little stagnant. There's just a bit more structure than there was last year. It's deliberate. There's not as much pace to not just the Nuggets entire offensive attack, but in the half court as well. So he kind of said a lot of the things that we've been talking about in this show for much of the season on Wednesday. So 
Here is what Mike Malone had to say in its entirety because I do feel like it's important to listen to his full comments, and I think it will give you guys a little bit of insight into what he's seeing with this team right now. So here's what he had to say following Wednesday's practice. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think uh, obviously when you lose four games in a row, uh, there's not a lot of joy in Mudville. Uh, so I think there's some frustration, which is a good thing. I think guys care. Uh, it's just a fine line of making sure guys aren't feeling sorry for themselves. Uh, and that's what we have to avoid. And, uh, for me, the only way you can bounce back after losing four in a row is to continue to work and challenge yourself to be the best version of yourself and learn. And obviously, uh, we're not in a good place right now, and hopefully we can get right tomorrow night. In addition to guys challenging themselves, are guys also challenging each other today in the gym? Um, I wouldn't say uh, not a whole lot. You know, um, we just don't have that type of a team, to be very honest with you, unfortunately. Uh, I think that's where you miss uh, a healthy Isaiah and a healthy Will Barton, because uh, those guys definitely have that component to their personality. Uh, but the other guys, uh, as much as you want it and you hope they do it, you know, uh, obviously it's just not in their nature and they're not very comfortable doing that. And, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's why I'm a head coach. You know, I got to be that guy. Uh, so you know, we'll continue to teach, hold guys accountable, and, uh, and try to get out of this bad stretch that we're in. Can players force that if it's not natural to them? Can they sort of learn that skill of being able to accept criticism and give criticism? I think so. You know, uh, it's a good question. I, I think some guys, as they mature and get confident, and uh, it becomes kind of who they are, and the more they do it, the more comfortable they'll get doing that. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we've talked quite a bit about our team being a very quiet team. And uh, you know, to get on somebody, you know, being comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations. Uh, a lot of people don't like confrontation. You know, uh, then you have people like myself who don't mind it at all. Um, so it's it's a part of it. Uh, hopefully, some of our younger guys, you know, can can get there because we need them to. I mean, bottom line is, um, when you have a, a very young team, we need some of our younger guys to develop off the court like they developed on the court. We've seen tremendous growth on the court as uh, individual players, but off the court, you know, how can we become better leaders? How can we become better teammates? And uh, you know, that's gonna be a big progression for us at some point, hopefully. How much of an ails team is just simple slippage versus things that really major need to be done? Well, it's definitely slippage. You know, uh, this month is a hard month, man. I mean, uh, no excuses, it is what it is, but we hear it's a, it's, a, it's a game off, game off, game off, game off, game off, never-ending cycle. So that's why, like, uh, you know, we had practice the other day just to get in the gym, first time in a while. Came in today, we didn't do a whole lot, but just getting in the gym, cleaning up some of the pick-and-roll deficiencies that we're seeing, um, working on our offensive execution, because the slippage has definitely been there, Chris. Last four games, we're ranked 29th in defensive efficiency. Earlier in the year, we were first. Right now, I think we're six or eight, whatever it is. But last four, the defense has just fell off big time. And there's a lot of things, too, that a lot of levels. It's one-on-one -on -one containment. The blow-bys are at epic levels right now. Just the inability to guard one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, and then just having pick-and-roll awareness. Clint Capella rolled down the lane all last night and got whatever he wanted. And when we did it correctly, and we were pulled in early as our low man, we did a good job. But 
So much of it is a, a, a lack of discipline and focus right now. And that's probably the most frustrating thing because early in the year we've shown that we can do it and do it well for extended periods. The last four games, you know, uh, really the last three, we played pretty good defense in Memphis. The last three losses at home, the defense has been uh, just bad all the way around. And once again, uh, starts with me. That's why we're in here uh, trying to get reps on that. And then our players just have to take that, get back to having discipline and a sense of ownership and doing things the right way to get back to depending on the way we, uh, we know we're capable of. You spoke about a lot at the beginning of the season on the defensive end, just a different mindset, a different want to defend, and that's why you guys were having success. Right. Is that also where you've seen the slippage, just in that attention to detail, kind of like you just mentioned? Yeah, and I would, Harrison, I would, I would couple it to a lack of attention to detail, and what I would add to that would be uh, a lack of a multiple effort. You know, you guys heard me say early on, whoa, what are you guys doing differently? It wasn't really we're doing a lot of things differently. We're doing it harder and for longer periods. Um, and we had great second, third, fourth efforts. Right now, I think we're a one-two effort team. We're not getting that third and fourth effort. There's a great example last night. Ennis drives the ball in the color traps the box. Paul sinks to a body. They kick to Chris Paul in the corner, hits a three. And Jamal's the next guy, and he never moves. Early in the year, we were getting that, that last closeout, that last effort. So we have to find a way to get back to that. So if we can become more disciplined, and we can get back to giving the effort that I know we're capable of, then I think we'll get back to becoming a very good defensive team, uh, which we have not been for four games. Do you think there's a snowball effect as the losses add up in terms of that's a much harder thing to sell to your guys, multiple efforts? I, I would hope it would be the opposite. You know, obviously, um, we all have to participate in our own recovery. I mean, like, and that's why I talked about earlier, feeling sorry for yourself. Uh, listen, we, we're, we have lost four in a row collectively, so how do we get out of that? Play harder, give more effort, and understand why you win and why you lose. When we won, we defended at a high level. We've lost four games in a row. We have the 29th worst defense in the NBA. Okay, doesn't take a lot of intelligence to say, how do I get back to doing what we were doing earlier? And uh, so you would hope that snowball effect would give us a greater sense of urgency. Let's do everything we can in our power to stop this losing streak. And that's what I hope we see tomorrow night. And obviously Atlanta on paper is 3-11. Easy team to overlook like we did last year when they came in here and beat us. Um, they were up at halftime or really close. They should have won against LA the other night and they gave the Warriors last night all they could handle. So it's going to be a great challenge for us. If we feel sorry for ourselves, we'll lose another one. If we say enough's enough, let's do whatever we can to get a win, then we'll have a chance to break this losing streak and head out on the road 10 and 5, you're feeling a little better about ourselves. Our last one, 28th in pace over the last four games, too. Part of that's probably the Memphis game slowing down. But what, what are you seeing there, and, and how do you guys maybe kind of get a little bit quicker, more up tempo? Or are you trying to, to play a little slower to reduce turnovers or whatever the issue may be? No, uh, we've never said, hey, let's walk it up. You know, we don't want to be that team. Sometimes you're a victim of who you're playing. You know, Houston, believe it or not, is one of the slower paced teams in the NBA. Memphis, slower paced teams in the NBA. Brooklyn, slower paced teams in the NBA. They don't, when you watch them, it doesn't seem like that, but according to the numbers and the analytics. But putting that to the side, Nick, we have to do a better job. We are playing, I think, very slow, stagnant, predictable basketball. And it doesn't help when you're taking the ball out of the net every time. So now you're playing against a set defense. That's definitely part of it, but 
We have some guys, and you guys watch the games, and you guys all have two eyes. We have some guys that look like they are exhausted. Two minutes into a game. Two minutes. We have guys on their shorts, dead tired. And uh, that's a little bit of a concern right there. But whether it's the pace up and down, but also the pace at which we play half-court offense. We're not running, we're not cutting, we're not getting the easy passes. It feels like we're working so hard for everything right now. And again, a lot of that's a product of our defense. When we got stops earlier, we were getting out, we were running, we were scoring a lot easier baskets. So they're definitely connected, but I don't like the pace we're playing at. I don't like the fact that we're walking the ball up the floor and we're not generating those easy baskets that we were so accustomed to getting in the past. And we have to find a way to get back to that because that's, uh, quite frankly, that's when we're at our best. So a lot, a lot to get to there from Michael Malone. And I thought it was refreshing because he was very open there very honest about where this team's at, how he's not getting enough, not just on offense and defense, but off the court too from his younger guys. And I think you can probably read between the lines in, in terms of who he's referencing there. And then defensively, uh, I asked him a question about if he's not getting the extra effort and just want to defend that was working so well for them at the beginning of the season. He mentioned that play and called out Jamal Murray by name for not making the extra rotation. I put that play on Twitter as well, and there's a lot of things going on with that play. I don't think it was necessarily Jamal Murray's fault by any means for that open Chris Paul three, but a lot there. And then on the offensive end of the floor, he refers to the Nuggets offense as slow, stagnant, predictable basketball they're not playing with a lot of pace right now. So it, it was really enlightening, and, and I felt like it gave a good look at to where this team is at right now. And speaking on the defensive end of the floor, it's no secret. I think we all know the Nuggets weren't going to finish the season as the top-ranked defense or maybe even a top two or a top three defense. Top five? That might be pushing it. Paul Millsap thinks they can be a top five defense. But we'll see. I still would bet my money that they finish more towards the league average in defensive efficiency, but how they were getting it done on that end of the floor at the beginning of the year, it wasn't rocket science by any means, right? It wasn't complex X's and O's and a drastically overhauled scheme from last season. They're doing a lot of the same things on defense that they did last year. The difference this year was, and you've heard me say this before, there was a different mindset on that end of the floor. Guys were trying harder and it might sound stupid with me saying it, but that's what guys will say up and down this roster when you usually ask them and they're honest about what's been different on the defensive end of the floor. Guys are just trying more. They're trying more than they were a year ago when the effort level just wasn't at the point where it was at the beginning of the season. There were multiple efforts happening on every single possession. They were rotating with a lot of pace. They were closing out on the perimeter. They were paying attention to detail, closing out on the right guys, leaving the right guys open, and so on and so forth. That hasn't been there over the last few games. They're one of the worst defenses in the league, I believe 27th in the league in defensive efficiency, depending on what metric you're looking at, on what website, what data. Over these last four games, they've looked like the defense of last year over these last four games. And from Michael Malone's perspective, and I have to agree with him, the multiple effort, 
the want to defend, the mindset that we saw at the beginning of the season, that hasn't carried over into these last four games. Now, can they get that back? I think they can. Look, it's still very early in the season. The Nuggets are 14 games into the year. They're 9-4. and four. I predicted they would go 10-5 and five through their first 15 games, and most people I threw that prediction out to thought I was way off, thought I was way too high. No, there's no way they start 10-5. and five. Look how this team usually starts and whatnot. Even though they have a home-heavy schedule that's slightly in their favor, they're not going to start 10-5. and five. Maybe 8-7, uh, and seven, or maybe 9-6 and six is, is a better prediction. But now it seems like once they beat the Atlanta Hawks here Thursday night, and I'm recording this Thursday afternoon, so you might be listening to this after that game is already over, I'd be pretty shocked if they lost to the Hawks. If they lose this game... I think whatever problems they have right now get magnified by two, by three times what they are right now. I think this team might have some bigger issues if they lose tonight. But I think they'll win. They'll probably win pretty easily against Atlanta and maybe get back to what they were doing on the defensive end of the floor in the first part of the season. But the point I was making, though, is they could backdoor into a 10-5 and start to begin this year and going back to opening night, going back to training camp, going back to preseason, no matter what way they got here, everybody would take a 10 and five start, right? I know the trend that they're on right now where the defense is coming back to earth and their offense still hasn't found much rhythm. Isn't the most encouraging, but I mean, would you rather be 10 and five with those factors showing themselves with the nuggets still fielding and a well-beloved average defense, but coming back to earth in that category and just not really finding their offensive rhythm? Or would you rather be 7-8 and and the Nuggets clicking on all cylinders on offense and one of the worst defenses in the league like they were a year ago? If it's me, I choose 10-5 and and you're still trying to find yourself on the offensive end of the floor, and maybe you know your defense will come back to earth a little bit. You're still 10-5, and five, right? You still have banked some wins. You still are in a good spot in the Western Conference, and you have avoided major injuries to your key rotation pieces outside of Will Barton. And, look, that's another reason why they've probably struggled here over these last four. Will Barton's a huge part of their team. They miss him dearly. But it seems like you'll be able to get by without his services until he's able to come back here whenever that is. Look, I've got a bunch of more thoughts on what Michael Malone said there and what some of the guys said at shoot-around today, specifically regarding the offense. Got to take a break, though, but I will get to that on the other side. We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. What if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking? It's true, Jason and Erica, owners of Distilled Bath and Body, created Pit Liquor. You heard me right, Pit Liquor. It's an all natural deodorant that actually works. Ramona found Pit Liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life. Pit Liquor is wonderful. They save my under eyes, no more sweaty, itchy under eyes for me. 
so I definitely love them and will be a customer as long as it keeps the smell, I guess, away. Pit Liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in Grandma's kitchen. I came across Pit Liquor online on Instagram. I saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their products. So the difference between Pit Liquor and other natural deodorants is I do not stink. <laughs> I've tried several, several different brands and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But Pit Liquor for me lasts all day. Pit Liquor's risk-free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code number one fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag one fan. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Harrison Wind here, Thursday edition of the show. I'll get to a call from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline in a few minutes about Michael Porter Jr., if Nuggets fans will see him this year, and a few other topics as well. But I had some more thoughts real quick on what Michael Malone said at practice the other day. Look, it seemed to me like he was calling out his younger guys in a way, one of the questions there that was posed to him was, and it came at the beginning of his media availability, it was a question in reference to comments Monte Morris had after that latest Nuggets loss to the Rockets, where it was interesting, and I spoke about this a little bit on the podcast that night, but you went around the locker room from guys who typically have reasons for the loss or reasons for where the slippage has been occurring over these last four games and nobody had any answers there were a lot of I don't knows and we'll have to go check out the film tomorrow Monte Morris was the one guy who really stepped up and said it's all about taking constructive criticism he said we all make mistakes how we're going to bounce back from adversity is the big thing he went on to say Going forward, I feel like that's going to be the approach for us, just people calling people out. If anything goes bad, you've got to take the criticism and move forward and win basketball games. So the question Michael Mullen was posed there at the beginning of his availability was in reference to that. Did he see that at practice on Wednesday? Were guys calling each other out? Were guys having, like Michael Malone says, the tough conversations and the hard conversations that nobody wants to have, that are a little tough to have? And Michael Mullen pretty much said no, and that the guys on this roster aren't really built that way. You know, a Will Barton, an Isaiah Thomas, those guys are certainly built that way. Those guys are probably your locker room leaders. They'll step up and say things. They'll call out guys. They'll have those conversations that are tough to have. Paul Millsap is also a veteran, respected voice who will take guys aside and do it in private. So I feel like that's the message Michael Mullen was getting across there. They don't have a lot of those guys on this roster. And the two guys he did mention that fall into that category, Will Barton and Isaiah Thomas, aren't playing right now and probably won't be playing you know, for the next month. Not sure when Isaiah Thomas is going to get back, if he'll get back before... Will Barton or not, I don't know the timetables there. So it was interesting, I thought. And I felt like it was a peek behind the curtain to some of the frustrations that Michael Malone's been having with this team a little bit. What he had to say about the Nuggets on the offensive end of the floor was also 
a big takeaway for me. He called the Nuggets offense slow, stagnant, predictable basketball. And I felt like he hit the nail right on the head. It's a lot of the same adjectives that I've been using to describe this offensive attack. Because if you look at the numbers, on the surface, there doesn't seem to be a ton of differences between this offense this year and the offense of last year. They're generating a few less open threes per game, but their offensive efficiency is right up where it was last year pretty much, maybe like a point per 100 possessions off that pace from 2017-18. They're obviously not shooting the ball from three well still. That's the biggest difference. Last year they were the seventh best shooting team, but where they're getting their offense from, the percentage of shots that they're getting at the rim at mid-range is pretty much the same as it was last year. So a lot of people have just been asking me what's been different about this offense, and I've used a lot of the same terms that Michael Malone did on Wednesday. It's predictable. It's stagnant. It's very deliberate. I don't think there's necessarily a ton more plays called, but it's a lot more structured. It certainly does feel than it was a year ago. We haven't used the word free-flowing a lot this year when describing the Nuggets offense, and that's a word we probably uttered and wrote every other sentence a year ago. So that's been a shift for sure. How can the Nuggets get that free-flowing offense back? Well, Malone kind of alluded to it, but they've got to be playing at a quicker pace. And it's been a trend all season, not a very encouraging one, that's for sure. But the Nuggets have not played at a quick pace this year on the offensive end of the floor. On the year, they're the 27th ranked team in terms of pace, 98.06 possessions per game. Over this four-game losing streak, uh, they've slipped even lower. Over the last four games, the Nuggets are averaging 94.25 possessions per game. That's second slowest in the league. Guys are walking the ball up the floor. There's a few play calls here and there. And it's not just like in the full court. In the half court, there's not the same pace there was a year ago. And that's where Michael Malone is most pissed off by the lack of pace. It's, it's in the half court. That's always what he comes back to. And also what he said that was fascinating was guys are tired two minutes into the game. This is what I'm going to watch for Thursday night. He said he sees guys bent over at the waist hands on their knees two minutes into games. And that should not be happening this early in the season for sure. I don't care where they had training camp. I don't care where they spent the preseason. Guys should not be tired two minutes into a game, you know? And all these guys are young too. All these guys are young in shape. Jamal Murray's young. Nikola Jokic is young. So that's going to have to be something that changes. I'll be watching that tonight, Thursday night, to see. If I can see that for myself, you know, just after a couple minutes. So we'll see how that goes tonight. But like I said, this might be a good chance to play with a quicker pace against a Hawks team who certainly likes to get up and down. A lot of times the teams you're playing against can dictate how you play. And if you look at the Nuggets' last four opponents, I believe three of them were bottom 10 in pace. Milwaukee is one of the quicker teams in the league in terms of pace, but those other opponents, the Rockets, who are dead last, I believe, on the year, the Nets and the Grizzlies, all really slow-paced teams. And 
Denver really got caught up in that and played into their game plan. The Hawks want to play a really fast pace. They want to get up and down the floor, create as many possessions as possible, and beat you from three. Like Atlanta is one of the worst offenses in the league. I think they're a bottom two offense, but they'll shoot a lot of threes. They're attempting the fourth most threes per game this year. They're not making the fourth most. They're making the ninth most. But if the Hawks are going to get a win, they've only got three of them on the year. They're going to beat the Nuggets from three, and they're going to try to play fast. So maybe this is a good chance for Nuggets to rediscover a faster pace to get up and down a bit and, hey, maybe rediscover that offensive efficiency too. Paul Millsap was asked about how close the Nuggets are to playing like themselves on that end of the floor. And he said he's not worried about the offense at all, actually. He said, quote, it's early. We don't care. We were 9-1 and in last in three-point percentage. The offense doesn't matter. Our main focus is to win games. Our offense is going to come. They're worried about defense still, even though they're still the sixth-ranked defense in the league. They've had some slippage on that in the floor, but defense is their one priority. They know they've got playmakers. They believe the offense will come around. I'm a little bit more wary. I agree. The offense will come around. They'll start making shots. Gary Harris isn't going to shoot under 30% from three for the entire season. Neither will Jamal Murray. Trey Lyles, I'm pretty sure, will find his three-point stroke. I think his offense will look better than it is right now. I don't think it's going to get worse. But I do think there should be some focus on rediscovering that free-flowing style from last year. Let me go ahead and take another break real quick. I'll get to a question from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline on the other side. I'll be right back. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast, Thursday edition of the show. Harrison Wind here, of course. Hey, if you're a new listener to the show, you're liking the content we're putting out on this podcast five days a week, Monday through Friday. Head on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you got a second. It takes just a minute. Leave a comment if you like, but we definitely appreciate the support. Even if you're somebody who's been listening to this podcast for a while and hasn't left a review, certainly appreciate it. Helps us grow the podcast. Helps us show that, yeah, we do have a really loyal listenership and fan base out there. Let me go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, answer one question before I get out of here on this Thursday afternoon. If you do have a question for the show, 
1-800-BSN-8394 is number to call. If you've never called before, all you need to know is it's an answering machine. Leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and leave a message for the show. Let's go there right now. Hi, this is uh, Josh from Connecticut. I was wondering if we'll see Michael Porter Jr. at all this year and uh, what it would take to see him. Because I personally feel as if we have no depth at the small forward position. Uh, I know Juan Schauer had a good game, but I don't put any stock in anybody scoring over 20 points against the worst team in the league in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I feel as if our offense is really, really struggling with uh, having, you know, like a true small four. I know we're missing Will Barton, but um, he's also only 6'6". I don't know. I was wondering if we'd see Michael Porter at all because I feel as if the Western Conference is wide open. But outside of, you know, Golden State, I feel like we really could be the number two seed. I felt that coming into the year. So I didn't know if we'd see him at all or what it would take to see him. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Josh. Will we see Michael Porter Jr. this year? I'm not sure, to be honest. I haven't heard one way or another. My guess, though, is that he doesn't play this season, which is kind of my feel. I don't think Nuggets want to rush him. I don't think Michael Porter Jr. wants to rush himself. Sure, he wants to get out there. But the Nuggets, I think, will play it slow throughout the whole year. And like you said, the depth at small forward isn't great right now. I think a lot of that is magnified because Will Barton's out. And if Will Barton had been playing right now, the Nuggets would probably have a few more wins. And nobody would be talking about the lack of depth at small forward. But he's out right now, and he'll be out for you know a few more weeks here at the minimum. So that lack of depth is magnified. I think Wancho's a solid replacement. He's still getting used to playing with the starting lineup. I'd give him a few more games before we want to change things up again. I think Malik Beasley's the guy you could see in the starting lineup too if Wancho doesn't work out there. Malone has teased that he could be a guy who plays with the starters more. He's kind of the halfway measure between Wancho, who's more offense first, and Torrey Craig, who's more defense first. Malik Beasley's kind of the guy who brings a little bit of both to the table and maybe is a better defender than Torrey Craig. You could probably make that argument. But I don't think the Nuggets' lack of depth at small forward is going to push Michael Porter Jr. on the floor by any means. I would think that there's a higher likelihood that the Nuggets go out and acquire a small forward to play meaningful minutes than it would be for Michael Porter Jr. to play at all or play a significant role this coming season. But man, does his shot look pretty? Does he have a beautiful looking jumper? Head on over my Twitter right now. I've taken a couple videos from practice over the last few days showing Michael Porter shooting threes. Man, he's got a gorgeous looking jumper. He is on the injury report though. Obviously, he'll probably stay there for most of the season, if not all of the season. Alongside him, Isaiah Thomas, Jared Vanderbilt, and Will Barton now, of course. That is a high profile Injury report. <laughs> you got one former All-Star, a starter-level guy in Will Barton, who just got paid this summer, and two rookies who, well, one's really high-profile, Michael Porter Jr. Jared Vanderbilt probably should have been more high-profile. McDonald's All-American, one and done at Kentucky, but he was hurt at school and is hurt now. If I had to rank those guys in terms of how quickly we'll see them get back, Will Barton and Isaiah are probably the first two. Will Barton is supposed to be reevaluated around December 4th. That is six weeks from 
his original surgery, and then they'll obviously go from there. Maybe Isaiah Thomas gets back sometime in December, so maybe those guys get back around the same time. Jared Vanderbilt, though, I think could come back before any of them. I believe he's been going through some light stuff at shoot-around before the last couple of games, so he could be on track here, but I would guess he plays a lot of minutes in the G League. I don't think he'll play a big role with this team or really any role with this team at this point in the season. And then, yeah, Michael Porter Jr., I'd expect him to be the last guy remaining on there when it's all said and done. I think that's all the time I got for today, guys. Enjoy the game against the Hawks tonight. I'll be recording a post-game edition of the show. I think Christian Clark will join me as well. Talk to you guys then.